All right. Um, we're going to open with a scripture in Revelation 21, verse 7. And uh, Peter gave me the subject of overcomers. So I hope we're going to encourage you to stand up for the faith and make a difference in your lives. And I'm so glad to see so many young people here today. So I want to ask the Lord really speaks to your heart during this message. Revelations 21, verse 7. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So, my name is Anthony Stander, and I pastor a church in Tableview called Living Waters Community Fellowship. Jesus Christ changed my life and rescued me from a life of sin and darkness in 1985. It's a long time ago. And after having spent two years in the army in the parachute battalion, I sort of lost my way and landed up in a maximum prison for five armed robberies, one of them a bank robbery, and I received 30 years imprisonment with 15 years running concurrent with 15. So at 23 years of age, I went in with a life sentence and I never knew if I'd ever come out again. But because of God's grace, I was in prison for uh, just under seven years, most of them in a um, Sonavata prison, which was the old white maximum prison in the old days. And um, Jesus Christ changed my life. He found me inside there, rescued me, didn't let me out of prison. I still had to serve many years as a prisoner. You suffer the consequences of what you do. Amen? You can't just get a luck, no lucks, you know? So I had to serve the Lord for many years inside, and he, he really rescued me, myself, in my heart, in my life, and changed my life. And uh, we were in a prison of a thousand men um, with two Christians, I think, in the whole prison. And, uh, you know, over the years, we saw many guys come to Christ, and we turned that situation around in that maximum prison by the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So I've been privileged to serve in the kingdom of God since my salvation. And I've always been in the lines, always in the front lines somewhere. You know, I've been privileged to do that. And I've, I've wanted to serve God. I'm ever grateful for being saved, for God's uh, rescuing me in, in such a way. Today, I want to talk to you about being an overcomer. Today, you will face a very different world, a world that is hostile to Christ and his followers in a way that we have never seen before. I've watched in the last six months or so, so many Christians backslide, friends of mine even, deacons in our church that have gone back to the world or commit serious sexual sin or even leave the faith. So many of our church world leaders have fallen greatly, as, as you who follow the news will know, you know. The guys that we look up to, you know, have fallen, but that doesn't mean we're going to fall, amen? We're seeing a great falling away in the faith, something I've never seen something like it in all my life. The church today looks very different from 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I met many strong Christians. There were, there were lots of them. You know, guys really strong in the faith and serving God. I hardly see that anymore. I hardly find people speaking about Christ. That radical element of Christianity, the, the, uh, the real radical Christians are few and far between. You know, and it's absolutely shocking for what we are seeing across the board of the churches everywhere. The early church was born in the fires of Pentecost. And a few men and women changed the world. God turned the world upside down. He only needed a few. 
We need Christians today who are full of the fire of God, who are unafraid of the enemy, dressed in the armor of God, engaged in spirit, against the spiritual forces of hell, and overcoming the darkness. We need to start winning now. You know, our outer ramparts in, the, in this country, the church's outer battlements are run over. The enemy's over it already. The enemy's at the gates, and we sleep. The church sleeps. But if there is to be a fight, let it be a glorious fight for Christ, and let God's enemies be defeated. And you guys are the ones who are going to be facing the onslaught in the years to come. Acts 1 verse 8 says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The Greek word for power in that scripture is dunamis, where we get our word dynamite from. Jesus said, you will receive dynamite power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We see it in Peter, the rough fisherman, who preached his first sermon ever, and 3,000 souls gave their life to Christ. What did he have? He had dynamite power. He was not that old fisherman, uh, naughty Peter, so, you know, he, he had something, he was different. We need a church to arise with the same power of God to win the lost at any cost and drive the enemy from the battlefields of our world. You that are sitting here are that church, and this is your purpose and your calling. Why was the power of the Holy Spirit poured out? I see so many Christians, you know, sitting at home, and it's all wonderful, slow motion in the cornfields, Christianity, you know, but they never do anything for Christ. But Acts 1 verse 8, that scripture I just read said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What was the power of God given for? To become witnesses for him. They had to contend with Rome, evil beyond anything we can understand. You think you got it hard. Take our early Christians, even the ones living in Rome. Where, where sin was absolutely blatant. We are called to win the world at any cost, to make a difference, to be an overcomer. We cannot go to heaven one day and have no one with us. What a shame that will be when the Lord says to us, who did you bring with you? Who did you uh, lead to me? We cannot go with no one. Many of you are much, much younger than us. In fact, some of us older Christians have been Christians longer than you've been alive. I've been 35 years a Christian, and I know there's some Christians here that are a lot older than that. Real old warriors that are sitting here amongst you. Listen to them. We have fought the devil and his legions by the grace of God for many years. We know the older Christians, what the enemy looks like, and what he's capable of. Our armor is dented, our shields battered, our swords are chipped. We bear many scars from these fights. We've been betrayed, denied, stabbed in the back, have been spoken evil of, and have suffered terrible losses of families and friends. Some of our wounds have never healed, but we are still here. And the love of Christ and his example keeps us going forward. No surrender, no retreat. We don't give up until we're with the Lord. You understand that there is no turning back. We only move forward. When we realize what Jesus has done for us, when you've understood what he did, went through on the cross, how he suffered for us that we might be saved, then no hardship is ever too hard for any Christian to follow. And I want to warn you, church, 
you need to take this calling to hearts. Christ died for us. He came to the earth, mission impossible. He suffered for us. He suffered for those who hated him. He went through this for us and then told us to follow him. We encourage in Hebrews 11 of the great champions of the faith. Hebrews 11, 32 uh, to 36. What Paul says, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Yeah, they, they got a heart for God. They were not baptized in the Holy Spirit like you and I are. They did not have the fires of Pentecost like we had. But they did something for God, and they are recorded in the Word of God. What did these men do? They subdued kingdoms. They brought whole kingdoms down. Worked righteousness. Obtained God's promises. Stopped the mouths of lions. Quenched the violence of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Became valiant in battle. That means brave. Brave in battle. Turned to flight the army of the, the enemies. Women received their dead to, to life, raised to life again. And I love this one. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. They could have been delivered. They could have called upon the great Lord of all, send his army to save me, O Lord. But they looked at their tortures. They, they loved their tortures. If you look at our New Testament Christians, they, they spoke and wept for their torturers. These men of God... Uh, not, uh, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. That takes some courage. Still others had trials of mockings and whippings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. Isaiah the prophet was put in a tree trunk and sawn in two. But did he call upon the Lord to live? He, he, he went through it. He says, I'll fall this way for the Lord. We're tempted, we're slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. And the scripture says in verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. God says. They wandered in dens and mountains, in, uh, in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. We are not called to live our own lives out here on earth as Christians. We are called to follow Christ wherever that may lead, and wherever, and to whatever jungles we are sent to, whatever countries in the world, we will go, because Christ went before us. We are not promised wealth in the New Testament. That is a lie of today, or prosperity, or a soft life. We are called to stand for Christ and win the most precious treasure that God has, people. God makes every person unique with their own fingerprint and tongue print. Every person is utterly precious. And if one person is lost, that blueprint is lost forever. God can make jewels and gold and lots of things and how much he can make it in abundance. You know, he can, he can make all those things, but a, a human being, God makes one blueprint of him. He makes one person like that. When God loses a person, it's forever. We are to spend our lives looking for these precious jewels of God. If you want to please the Lord, you can't please him with gold and silver, but we can please him with the lost on this earth. 
Those people that he had made one copy of, special. Every person is special. God sent us to find his lost treasures and bring them safely to him, like Jesus did. He came to the earth, mission impossible, win the lost at any cost. So that should be our hearts as Christians. We should have the same uh, uh, drive and the same vision. If God leads you to become a doctor or a lawyer or a businessman, it is first to serve him and obey God and fulfill the great commission here on his earth and, re and rescue his jewels. That's what we are first called to. You are a doctor for Christ. You are a lawyer for Christ. You are a judge for Christ. First and above all things. So that's what the Lord wants us to do, to win the human race. Everything we do in our lives is done to obey Christ and to extend his kingdom. That's your job. Even in your schools where you are now, even in your universities, you have one purpose. Win the lost at any cost. At any cost. You're going to lose friends. Sometimes you'll be alone. You will know what war looks like when you start to try and win the lost. But God will be with you. The power of his Holy Spirit will be with you. And you will burn like a fire in those institutions. And we will see people start coming to Christ in a real and true way. Give you an illustration. Three military recruiters showed up to address high school seniors. Each recruiter representing Army, Navy, and Marine Corps was to have 15 minutes. The Army and the Navy recruiters got carried away. So when it, when it came time for the Marine to speak, he had just two minutes left. He walked up and stood utterly silent for a full 60 seconds, half of his time. Then he said this, I doubt whether there are two or three of you in this room who would even cut it in the Marine Corps. But I want to see those two or three immediately in the dining hall when we are dismissed. And he turned smartly and sat down. When he arrived in the dining hall, those students interested in the Marines were a mob. The recruiter knew that commitment comes from appealing to the heroic dimension in everybody's heart. I think God is appealing to your heroic hearts. We need heroes for Christ now. We need men and women to stand for Christ. Will you hear the call of God to follow Christ to whatever end and to be an overcomer? To be an overcomer means saying this. I'm a soldier in the army of my God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Scripture is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the word are my weapons of warfare. I've been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I'm a volunteer in this army, and I'm enlisted for eternity. I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or pushed out. I'm faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. If my God needs me, I'm there. I'm a soldier. I'm not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or prepped up. I'm a soldier. No one has to call me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, or lure me. I'm a soldier. I'm not a wimp. I'm in place saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his kingdom. No one has to send me flowers or gifts, food, cards, or candy, or give me handouts. I do not need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. 
I'm committed. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough for me to turn aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. I cannot be discouraged enough. When Jesus called me into this army, I had nothing. If I end up with nothing, I still come ahead. I will win. My God has and will continue to supply all my need. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ. The devil cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot handle me. I'm a soldier. Even death cannot destroy me. For when my commander calls me from his battlefield, he'll promote me to captain and then allow me to rule with him. I'm a soldier in the army and I'm marching claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I'm a soldier marching heaven bound. Here I stand. Will you stand with me? That is the call to the Christians for today. You will be going into schools where you may be the only Christian. Universities where there are two or three of you, but that's enough. When we were in prison, there were a thousand men, the worst men, serial killers, murderers, all people that could have be hanged for hanging offenses were in Sonavata prison. The, the scum of the earth was there. But when we came to Christ and when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon us, we won hundreds to Christ in that world. We turned it around. You can, we, we had a school table view in our area about 20 years ago, which was really bad. The witches had infiltrated the school. They'd bought three houses on three corners of the school so that they could influence the school. But we won one or two guys or three guys to Christ in that school, and then we radicalized them and sent them back into that school. We won so many people to Christ that the teachers came to the church to see what was going on. You will be surprised what you can do, one with Christ. Ask our Lord what does he want to do with your life. Surrender all, knowing that you are created for a purpose in his kingdom. None of us will know true happiness until we find God's purpose in his kingdom for our lives. You were created for such a time as this. You were not placed in the medieval ages or sooner. God chose you for this time. God saw fit to place you in this year and knew that you and I would be the best people for this end-time battle. You were chosen for a time like this. But we need to overcome the sin that so easily holds us back. We need to step up in our Christian walk. Christ alone. Porn, drunkenness, worldly parties, addictions are not even things that should, should be named on our lips. We do not walk like that. We, aren't, we are in the world, but we are not of this world. You should be so filled with the power of the Spirit. When you walk in a room, every devil should tremble in there. Instead of them sit there and laugh at you like they're doing at the Christians. Look at that Christian, they're sniggering away there. We carry, we are ambassadors for the greatest kingdom of the universe. All the armies of heaven are behind us. All the resources of heaven are behind us. We have the name of Jesus at which every knee shall bow. That's who we are. So when we walk into a room, we bring authority. People should shift and say, who are these people coming in this room? Because we carry the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in us. And because we don't see it, it's because your fire is small. And if the enemy doesn't recognize you at these parties and that, that's just a shame. 
We are different. We are not of this world. The promises of God are to them that overcome. God expects us to overcome. It's actually, there's no reason for a Christian not to overcome. Christ did everything for us on the cross. We are, every sin was broken. You can re, uh, read Romans chapter 6. We have dominion over all sin. Every weakness, fear, everything is broken at the cross, what Jesus Christ did for us. There is no reason for us to be defeated. We shall never be defeated. We must overcome everything in this world. You are not given armor to go sit in front of your TV set playing TV games. The greatest army of the, uh, armor of the universe. Armors for war. Shields are for defending yourself. And swords are offensive weapons meant for attack. You should be walking into the poor people's homes, uh, going through that door, and put your shield over that poor broken person there sitting, weeping and crying, and stick your sword in that demon's face and say, in Jesus' name, get out. This person's ours now. But we, what are we doing? We're not doing that. We need to wake up, church. We have a short time on this earth. You know, if, uh, everybody told me, you know, the years go by so quickly. I'm 59 now, and the years have gone by so quickly. You know, don't wait. Do it now. So the promises of God are to the overcomers. Revelations 2 verse 7 says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I'll give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Verse 11, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Are we the churches? Listen to what the Word of God says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Verse 17, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I'll give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on that stone a new name, written which no one knows except him who receives it. Revelations 2.26 And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. Isn't that an incredible destiny? Verse 27 He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and they shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels as also I, I have received from my Father. 21 verse 7 says, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Revelations 3.21, To him who overcomes, I'll grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also came and sat with my Father on his throne. And verse 22, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We, God demands that we overcome. That we stop being these miserable, weak Christians, terrible uh, uh, examples to the world of what we in the face of what Jesus has done for us. We need to rise above the things of this world. Be the warriors of the faith. The, 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 mon the, the monks of the last days. The priestly monks of the last days. We need to be holy and deadly to the enemy. The enemy must fear us when we come into an area. Clear the area. For we bring swords and shields and armor and battle is in our eyes. And we're going to win the lost here. And we're going to drive them right out. We see everywhere that we work in our area, you know. We, we, we pick the worst areas we can find usually. The worst block of flats we can find where the worst drug addicts are. You've got to walk in and step over the drunkards that are lying on the floor. We've had to step over two guys fighting in the street. But that's where we start. 
We start talking to them about Christ. We go into their rooms and say, can we come and pray for you? No one said no yet. We go lay hands on the sick, drive out the devils. One woman said to me, there's a, a lady spirit that comes and sits on my bed every night. We said, we'll deal with her right now. She was saved and gave her life to Christ. You know, that's, that's the army of God for the last days. We need to wake up. We need to be overcome as God's word demands that we be overcomers and run the race that he set before us. Not turning to the left or the right, joining the army of God as excellent soldiers, holy warriors with a godly mission. Fire of God. We don't look at porn. We don't talk evil. People telling us dirty jokes. We just say, don't talk that nonsense to me now. I don't want to hear it now. You know, I don't mean, they see we're different. We don't swear. We serve God. We don't go to their parties. You know what I mean? We stand for the Lord Jesus Christ in these days. And you will see how many people will come to you and ask to know the Jesus that you serve. Do you know how they won the greatest fighters in the world to Christ? The Vikings. No one knew what happened to the Vikings. They, just, they, were, they were unsurpassed in victory and in power. I don't know if Peter's done a teaching on the Vikings here. No. There was, the Vikings were the greatest warriors. I mean, I read of the one captain of those he used to have two battle axes in one hand and he could cut you in half with his one battle axe as he used to go through the battlefield. These were savages beyond human understanding. And they wondered what happened to the Vikings in history. They just disappeared. Well, I read a worldly book. It's called The Hammer and the Cross. The Vikings came to Christ. And how did the missionaries preach to the Vikings? They didn't preach weak Jesus handing out fishes with a halo around his head with a safe, you know, you know, at the pool there. You know what I mean? They, they didn't preach Christ. They pre preached Christ, Lord of all. He overcame death. He's coming back with an army. You know what I mean? He conquered the devil and the demons of the cross. He overcame all things. And the Vikings thought, we like this oath. We can serve this guy. You know what I mean? And they, 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 the Christians brought the Viking nations to Christ. That's why you see the cross in all the northern flags. In England, in Norway, in Sweden, you see the cross. But they have forsaken the God of their fathers, those nations. Where are our young people carrying the flags again to these nations? So we need to be holy warriors with a godly mission. Joel 2 1 says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord comes, for it is near at hand. It's so, I love God's stuff. It's so hardcore. I love serving God. God's a warrior as well. He's a God of love, kindness. He's also a warrior. Exodus tells us that. Joel 3, 9-10, proclaim this amongst the Gentiles, prepare for war, wake up the mighty men, let all the men of war draw near, let them come up, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears, and let the weak say, I am strong. That's what God says, stop being so miserable and defeated. Jesus died for you. His blood can break any weakness in your life. Fear, sickness, uh, addiction, anything can be broken by our Lord Jesus Christ. Joel 2.11 says, And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For he is strong that executes his word. The believers are strong. They know God's word. We say, where's the enemy? Send us to them. 
Don't wait for the enemy to come to you. And the Spartans used to say that. I think I saw some saying one day. They don't say, where is the enemy? They say, how soon can we get to the enemy? For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? God is looking for men and women who will stand fast against the onslaught of the enemy, who know our God and are not afraid. We will use the victory of Jesus that Jesus obtained for us and the weapons God has given us. Uh, the weapons of our warfare are not worldly. If I had to give most of you a mag machine gun now, you wouldn't have a clue, some of you, how to even turn it on. It is a weapon of mass destruction. When we used to come under fire in the, in the, in the, against the enemy in 1981, at the height of the war, and we used to hear the clack, clack, clack of the, of the AKs going, it's like tins hitting together. You know, clack, clack, clack. Then you hear our rifles go, duk, duk, duk. You hear, and then you hear the mag machine gun go. Duk, 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 duk. Then you feel much better. But you've got to know how to use the weapons of our warfare. God has given weapons of our warfare, and most Christians have no clue what they are. You need to go to your leaders and ask them, how do we use the weapons of God's warfare in this world and against the enemy that attacks us constantly? So, God has given us these incredible weapons to demolish demonic strongholds, to overcome sin and win the lost at any cost. Part of the nature of God is that he is a warrior. Exodus 15.3 The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. You know, I know people mean well, but they always picture Jesus today, you know, and he's got his robe on, and he's got his long hair, you know what I mean? And he's got this face, and he's always ministering to people. But that's not what the demons see. The demons see what John saw in the book of Revelations. Eyes like flaming fire, a sword that comes out of his mouth, holding in his hand seven stars, and his voice sounding like many waters. The king of the universe is what they see now. That's who we're serving now. I'm not still that old picture of, the, of Jesus in the past. Our, our Jesus is Lord of all. He's the king of the universe. He's terrifying to demons. His name will drive any of them off the field. A great preacher said God never backs down from a fight with the enemy, always looking for a fight. There's no negotiations with God. God doesn't negotiate with the devil, go into negotiations. He confronts the enemy and puts him to flight. In fact, God often seeks battle with the enemy. The Old Testament is a typology of the New Testament. What they did in the flesh, we now do in the spirit. In other words, they fought the enemy in the flesh. The soldiers they fought were real. They'd fouled their teeth so they could bite you in battle. They were full of syphilis and gonorrhea. They were the most horrific, could smell the army before you saw them. You know what I mean? They were demons in human, living inside humans. And the Old Testament fought these with sword and shield. But in the New Testament, we fight even a more dangerous enemy, the army that controls them. Do you understand the, the demons above them? We knock them out. And then this army is nothing. They're easy to talk to, easy to integrate. Sorry, it's my time, I, I thought. Okay, so you are called to the great war. Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual weakness in high places. Those are our enemies that we're going to deal with in the spiritual realm. And you know what? God doesn't let you see them because we'd be terrified and run from the battlefield. But we can sense them and rebuke them. So Ephesians 6.11 says, 
Put on the whole armor of God. Stop leading off your belt of truth every time you tell a lie. Then your belt falls off. Because it's the belt of truth. We don't lie as Christians ever under any conditions. If you're struggling with that, ask for prayer. We all came out of the world. The armor is directly tied into our behavior. But that's another story. Okay, we're not going to do that tonight, today. So put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What is Paul? Paul's warning you that every single one of you sitting here is going to face the devil at some stage or other. And I want to tell you, you faced him many times already and didn't know it. Against the wiles, the ways of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, Paul warns us, but against four levels of the demonic kingdom principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Four levels of the hojos that we have to face. When we've beaten the principalities, they send the powers. When the, after we've dealt with the powers, they send the rulers of darkness. When we've dealt with the unclean birds and things in the rulers of darkness, then they send the real top guys. We don't get to the top guys usually. Martin Luther saw the devil a couple of other men in that time saw Lucifer, had to deal with him, put him to flight. So God is looking for people who will stand against all odds, champions of the faith. We have a great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 12.1. You know, all the old Christians that have gone before are looking to the church today and saying, we conquered kingdoms. We put armies to flight. We uh, stopped the mouths of lions and did the dead were raised. We did all these things. What, is your, what are you, church, going to do today? They're looking at us, watching. They're the great cloud of witnesses. The old champions are dead now. There's no more Samsons. And, and they're looking at us and saying, what will you guys do? Because you now are the new champions. There's no one else. No one's, most of our leaders are falling in the world. We need a new breed of Christian to stand up. Strong Christians in Christ. You're not afraid of anything. And they're saying to us, what will you do? They've thrown the torch to us. Because they're dead now. You can't go call Daniel to come help us now. He's gone. And that torch has come through the centuries to the church, the modern day church. And most are looking the other way and it's falling on the ground. So we need to catch that torch. We and me and a couple of the older guys here, we're getting old now. And we look to the younger generation to step up and volunteer for the army of God and to take our place one day. We can't be here forever. We need you guys who've got energy, strength. Don't get as tired as we do. I used to be out in ministry almost every night for many years. And I'm quite tired now. It's hard to go out every night. But who will take our place? Who will go to the lost? In the poem Flanders Field, one of history's most famous wartime poems, written in 1915 during the First War by Canadian officer and surgeon John McRae. I mean, those of you who read about the First War will know how terrible it was. 80,000 men dead in one battle. I mean, that is crazy. Sometimes 100,000 in one battle. Life costs nothing. And this uh, officer wrote this poem and he wrote it to say, I'm, I'm also going to probably have to go up over the top one of these days when the whistle blows 
and I'm going to get mown down by machine guns or blown apart by bombs. But he was saying to the world, don't let my death be in vain. And he held them to account with this great poem that we all learned when we were at school. I don't think you guys have learned it. But one of the verses says, he says to the world, he says, take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If you break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep. He said, look, I'm going to give my life, but I'm going to throw the torch to you and you fight this fight and win it. Don't let my death be in vain. And this poem became famous all over the world. It just uh, showed the world what was going on in this terrible war. But sometime later in a newspaper, a young lieutenant wrote an answer to Flanders Field. And in one of the verses, he wrote this. Your flaming torch aloft we bear with burning heart and oath we swear to keep the faith, to fight it through, to crush the foe or sleep with you. And he went to battle. Will you not take the torch we're throwing to you and hold it aloft and be prepared to go forward and face any odds for Christ? Go anywhere for Christ. Do anything for Christ. Win the loss for Christ. Engage the enemy even if it means our life. Why do we care? We fall, those we have trained, will follow on behind us. Where are those hearts today, young people? I'm going to end with this scripture. Isaiah 6 verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? I think that's still God's cry to the world. Then I said, Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. How many of you, you know, I used to watch the, the guys in the one church I was in singing this song, you know. And I used to think, you know, you're all just about, none of them were doing anything for the Lord. That they sing the song loudly and with all their hearts, but they never go. They say they're going to go, but they don't go. I think I, someone said uh, recently like 60 or, or, or bigger percentage of missionaries who say they're going to go, never go. I think it's bigger than that. 80% of people who train as missionaries start off saying we're going to go, but they never go. I went to India to um, Chattansgarh to... Uh, a, a, a city in the middle of that province and there's just no one there, no European missionaries. That church, they're under massive persecution from the Hindus. You know, they say, we're so glad you come. No one talks to us. We're alone. I said, you're not alone. They're in fear. Where are missionaries? I went to uh, um, uh, other hell holes on this earth and found no missionaries anywhere. People just dying without Christ, in fear. You know that every time we gave the gospel, we had 100% salvation in those places. Every single time. Every hand went up. Everybody gave their life. They were so side of, uh, tired and broken by their demon gods. There are no voices anymore. No one's going anymore. So I want to challenge you today, and I want to say to you that if you, the, the Lord says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? That some of you will say, here I am, Lord, send me. And then you can't back out from that. It's a very serious commitment you're making. And the Lord will take that to heart. But make a difference in this world. The world is about to grow a lot darker. We need more lights and more soldiers of Christ out there than ever before. In Jesus' name. Amen.
I want to pray for you guys. I want to ask those of you, if any of you have been stirred up in your heart and you feel that you want to represent Christ in your schools or in your university, that you're going to go, no turning back, no surrender, no retreats. You might get defeated the first time. Don't get up again. Go forward again. We don't care. Defeat's not an option. And if you feel like that, I want you to stand up. And I just want to close in prayer and ask the Lord to really help you today. If there's anybody like that, I want you to stand up now and we're going to close in prayer. And I want to ask the Lord to anoint you with his fire so that you can carry his banner back to wherever you came from in Jesus' name. Is there anybody like that? I want you to stand up now. Amen. Don't feel pressured into it. But if you need to think about this, you need to think about this. All right. I'm going to ask the Lord to fill you with the fire of God. Father God, Lord, we pray for these people that have stood up here today, Lord. I ask that you fill their cup with the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, according to your word, to carry your flag, Lord, and your gospel to the world outside. I pray that you give them ability to speak with power, Lord, with love, with kindness, with strength, and that the name of Jesus will be like a mighty hammer on their tongue, Lord. Lord, I pray for them. I pray that you anoint them with the power to go forth, Lord, and reach the lost at any cost. Give them wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, and help them, Lord, to do your work on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless.